Our scripture reading this morning is out of Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Hi, everybody. Good to be with you. My name is Luke. I'm on our pastoral team, and I'll be sharing the sermon today. Today, we are beginning a season in the book of Psalms, which reminds me, actually, of a story that I heard once of a traveling preacher who was visiting a small world church, and he began his sermon by saying, Since I'm new, I asked your minister for a list of you all, broken down by age and by sex. But looking out today, I can see that most of you have already been broken down by age and by sex. Of course, I wouldn't dream of saying anything like that to you, not least because I, I can't see you right now. But brutal honesty, something we'll no doubt hear more of as we spend time in the Psalms together. Harass these hecklers, God. Punch the bullies in the nose. Grab a weapon, anything at hand to stand up for me. Reassure me. Let me hear you say, I'll save you. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He guides me along right paths. I will not be afraid. My cup overflows with blessing. Gratitude, sorrow, elation, despair, trust, doubt, anger, hope. We find it all in the Psalms a book in the Bible that we turn to in order to help us pray. In prayer, we bring all of ourselves to all of God. We'll spend the next while in the Psalms together as a church. Why? Well, for one, they help us pray. And prayer can be something that we tend to avoid. Some of us feel about prayer like we feel about flossing. We believe in it. We know it's for our own good, but when we occasionally remember to, doing it feels awkward and painfully time-consuming. So we need the reminder to pray. But we also need the reminder of how to pray. And the Psalms help us with that too. Before discipline, even before devotion, prayer is first 
dependence. God's people have been praying the Psalms for thousands of years, laying themselves out in the open, depending on God. The Psalms aren't magical, but they are marinated in God's history with humanity and with his spirit. Jesus prayed the Psalms. So did Paul and Phoebe and John. Good enough for us, I think. We'll also sit with the Psalms a while because of the time that we're living through. Pandemic, polarization, various upheavals in the news every day, more so than ever, it seems. And even if we know that trouble is nothing new, some of us have been facing trouble in higher doses recently, which takes some getting used to. So our pretenses are dropping a little. The cliches are wearing thin. The veneer of niceness in society is, is, feels as though it's, it's melting away. And the contents of our hearts are becoming more visible to one another. What are we noticing about one another's hearts? More importantly, what are we noticing about our own hearts? So we're making some room to pray, letting prayer open us up to the contents of Jesus' heart, of his character, in a season where divisions seem to be multiplying quicker than a virus. Of course, we could probably focus on seemingly more important or tantalizing topics these days, couldn't we? The mouth waters at the thought of all the questions that we might try and untangle to get a sense of control. But maybe prayer to Jesus, through the Spirit, with language from ancient scripture, is what we need most. I could be wrong, but it's worth a try. These are holy spaces and moments that we make for one another and for God. And prayer is the best space saver. If we could only look at Jesus together, pray together, praying the same words together even, maybe, maybe we'd get a little closer, grow a little more in understanding, gain a little more capacity in the Holy Spirit to keep going. Lord, teach us to pray. You know, many in our church enjoy the arts, designers and musicians and writers and potters and painters, dancers. Personally, it's no secret, I, I like a little bit of poetry. And like other art forms, poetry has a great deal in common with prayer. We observe and reflect in both, we pause and we breathe in both. We struggle to articulate in both, often finding that the apt language escapes us despite our best efforts. It's nearly impossible to divorce poetry and prayer, art and prayer. So knitted together in our traditions, they have often become indistinguishable from one another. A person experienced in each might argue that all prayer is a kind of poetry. Even that all poetry, in a sense, is a kind of prayer. Prayer is what we make together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
The writer of Psalm 19, which we heard earlier, goes so far as to describe all activity in space as a pouring out of revelatory language in which we see God's reputation or glory on full display in creation itself. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, all their words to the end of the world. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Since those who wrote Psalms, like Psalm 19, believed that humans weren't exempt from this work, this pouring out work, but were made to speak, along with the stars and the forests and the waterfalls and the hummingbirds and the tigers, the poetic or creative or prayerful voice ultimately manifests as worship language, merging together with creation's wider symphony. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, sounds Psalm 150 in the energetic closing to the book. Do you have breath? Do I? Well, through my prayer, I am part of that symphony, together with everything that has breath, active in offering something up. I can't help but make something which goes out and up to the one who made me. My first cry was a joyful noise, writes the world-renowned theologian Bono. So as we begin a new season together, a couple of thoughts about what can be learned through the Psalms as works of art and prayers. Among a great many others, these prayer poems give us two gifts. They keep us honest and they keep us present. First, a word on being honest. When we offer something up or out, something of our own making, something of ourselves, we know right away, as do others, if it's honest. The only thing that makes art bad art is dishonesty, and the same goes for prayer. There's no room for posturing, for straining to be more or less than who we are in art and prayer. Our listeners see right through all of that. Which is one reason, for instance, why the Psalms make as much room for despair and sorrow as they do for hope and joy. The Psalms' audience, being the Creator Himself, is the origin of truth and wants the truth for us too. So a false poem or prayer is not only an offense to the listener, but a foolish endeavor for the author as dishonesty misses the point of, of each exercise entirely. No matter how meager or opulent a poem or a prayer will be, it is well received if it's honest. There might be more incisive poems, better crafted bits of art, more comprehensive prayers, but honesty is the key ingredient. Any offering, whatever it is, must in the very least be genuine. And the good news is that we can all start there. 
if you're willing to be honest, you're already good at prayer. And if you're longing for a more honest life, the Psalms will meet you there and entice you further into truth. So scripture, and the Psalms in particular, keep us honest. Magazine publishers used to be the only people who knew how to airbrush away our wrinkles and blemishes. But we do that ourselves now with the swipe of a finger. The Psalms do the opposite. Arrive at the reading of a Psalm with any pretense or projection of perfection and the words pull us back to reality. Sometimes gently, sometimes with a jerk, but they bring us back to earth. Jesus said that the truth will set you free. What truth? Well, the truth about him, first of all, the truth about God, but also the truth about ourselves. When we step into the truth, we give God a chance of getting at us truly. It's why one of our values at Living Waters is authenticity. Now, it looks nice on a website, doesn't it? The kind of buzzword that you'd hope that your church would have on paper. But I think that it's often the hardest of our values to inhabit. If we want to follow Jesus, though, we have to embrace the truth. And that begins with honesty with Jesus and one another. As prayers, the Psalms help us with that. They remind us that our experience of life, of course, is unique, but not that unique. That we're not alone in sharing the human experience as our soul is laid open. And the Psalms remind us that God can handle everything we throw at him. I remember a few years ago being stuck in a bit of a muddy and depressing spot. And as we often do, I tried to soldier on, giving God what I thought God wanted, a positive attitude, perseverance. And then one day, I completely broke down. I began to shout at God in my kitchen, began to let him really have it, tell him that I felt stuck and depressed and disappointed. I got honest. And then I heard something from him, I think, which for me has only happened a handful of times. As I sobbed and as I raged, I'm sure that I heard something like, oh good, now we're finally talking. I'd been living dishonestly for a while. I thought God wanted something other than all of me. And I was wrong. A good deal of the New Testament tries to get across to us that we really don't have to project. We really don't have to clean up for God. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, says Paul. Translation, we are loved before we are right. We are loved, in fact, precisely when we are wrong. But sometimes it's as if we think we can present God or one another with a version of ourselves somehow cast in a better light. What filter should I use today, we wonder, often subconsciously. But really, 
We aren't fooling anyone, are we? Except for ourselves, now and then. There's a common saying that goes, God loves us enough to take us as we are, but too much to leave us as we are. And that's where the Psalms often meet us. They keep us honest so God can receive our true selves, not the selves that we try and polish up for him. And then he helps us to grow. You know, we're also taking on the Psalms to ensure that that after a, a lot of distance, a lot of potential drift, we don't let the truth about ourselves and God out of sight. As we know, being up close and personal is a challenge these days. I think the Psalms can help us stay up close and personal with God and with one another in such hard times. It's tempting, isn't it, to look out the window and coldly judge what we see, to point our fingers, to cement our opinions, to bemoan the contents of our communities. But as mentioned earlier, what about the contents of our hearts? We're probably not responsible or not able to control much of what goes on around us, but we're somewhat responsible for our hearts, aren't we? It would be a dangerous thing to obsess about the devil prowling around out there, forgetting he's just as interested in prowling around our hearts. So when we empty the contents of our hearts to Jesus, in perhaps a way through the Psalms, we're reminded that he doesn't recoil, he doesn't judge harshly without compassion or mercy, he's probably pleased that we finally unearth to him what we knew, what he knew was there all along. I wonder if we pray the Psalms together honestly, we might also open the door to intimacy with God and with one another. So the Psalms keep us honest. They also keep us present. A word on being present. Years ago, years and years ago, I was at a party in the city and I felt like a bit of an outsider. I ended up in the corner with my safety blanket or what's commonly known to most of us as the mobile phone. And after a while, a rather inebriated young woman uh, took notice of me. She walked over, she grabbed the phone out of my hand, she looked me square in the eyes and said, be present. Well, she wasn't wrong. Even though it was a fleeting correction, as her next words were, oh, is this the new iPhone? She ended up being as distracted as, as I was in the end. Many of us find being present to be a challenge today as there seem to be more distractions than ever. The rapidity of our thoughts and movements make it difficult to feel as though we're ever really here, pushed around in a society that's enslaved by stimulation. Praying the Psalms help us to find here again, even if just for a moment, before we're on to a million other moments. They help us to take hold of what's right in front of us, not clutching onto yesterday, not groping for tomorrow, 
Often when we stop trying to be someone else, when we're honest, we stop trying to be somewhere else. We become present. And it seems that, that many of us are finding being present in a pandemic a challenge as well, which is understandable. Why can't we just go back to the way things were? Or why can't we just hibernate or fast forward until we're through all of this? People have felt like this before, as we hear in Psalm 6. How long will this last, God? I'm worn out from sobbing. I can't see straight anymore. Painful fights with families. Serious tests at work. Another holiday season on the horizon threatened. There are times that we'd rather be anywhere than here. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough going on, says Jesus. And elsewhere, it's clear that our preoccupation with the future betrays a heart which wants maybe a little too much control. The Psalms help us with that too, very often drawing us in, giving us room to express, but then praising God through his character and creation in the middle of the difficulty. Being desperate for relief, we have to say, is probably something that most of us are feeling. But we can't live in tomorrow. We must meet Jesus today to turn to him with our ache and to pray something like we hear in Psalm 42. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. So during these honest offerings, we settle into where we are with God rather than where we are not. We're present to the world around us. We're present to others. We're present to God through his spirit. And make no mistake, if scripture says anything about God's whereabouts is that he's very much present in the here and now, not just in the there and then. The question is half the time, where are we? The Psalms help us find here again. And the Psalms weren't written in a vacuum either, but were made to be shared and sung together it would have been hard for the writers of the Psalms to ever imagine that these prayers would be something that we'd experience in isolation. The very nature of the Bible is communal. And maybe in that, we hear another of one of our church values coming through, which is community. In whatever ways we're turning up to God honestly this fall, we can turn up for one another too. And that might not be turning up to a crowd, but it can mean turning up to someone. We'll hear about life groups and other ways to connect in the coming weeks. Let's take the chances afforded us to be present to and with one another and discover the life of Jesus among us. 
We've got to be wise and safe. We've got to give one another uh, the room to sort out how to gather. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take some compassion with one another. But let's put one another in touch with God. Who can we pray with this fall? Who can we open up to? If we can't think of anyone, we've got a team of pastors that would be more than happy to sit, listen, share, pray. Or maybe with roommates or or as a family. What about taking on a psalm together each week? Try reading one together before bed or, or in the morning or around the dinner table, asking questions about it, expressing it together. Prayer isn't about performance but presence. And the Psalms help us to settle into where we are, honestly, together. So, let the words of our mouths, the meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer.